All right, Anne, here we are, extremely excited as always, but this week we have some guests coming on. Some, That's true. Yeah, some oldies but goodies. I'm not referring <laughs> to their age, but they both have previously been on the pod. Yeah. But we're going to talk about the movie Cocktail. As one should. <laughs> not And not in the year 1988, so. Not, yeah, I have a lot of questions about what was going on in 1988. <laughs> um, but first, of course, introductions. I am Chrissy. And I'm Anne. And, you know, I haven't said this in a while, but, you know, I'm Anne's best friend. Oh, still not. <laughs> I like that you try to sneak it in, though. But, but you know what? Climbing up the ranks. Yes. I, I will say, just a quick side note, broke my ankle three months ago, went for my first run today. <gasps> That's exciting. It was. It was very exciting. I would say I ran about 50 feet at a, at a time, and then I'd walk, and then I'd run again. But it was like a miracle. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I did not break my ankle, and I didn't do any running. <laughs> For the whole three and a half months also. <laughs> oh, I tell you, as I say, it's literally, literally one step at a time. Yep. One step at a time. All right. But, but let's get to real news now. And the news that people might have missed, but they shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's start with this one. I found this one to be one that I would call Chrissy clutches her pearls. Ooh. This guy is clutching a cell phone though. So I think this story probably a couple people have probably heard, but a Canadian parliament member was caught stark naked in a virtual <laughs> meeting of the House of Commons. <laughs> William oh. Amos, who represents the Quebec district of Pontiac, appeared on the screens of his fellow lawmakers completely naked. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Apparently, he went out for a run and came back, I guess, in time for this meeting and was in the midst of changing, but he didn't realize his Zoom camera was on. Well, look, that could happen to the best of us. Well, and the funny thing is, the whole setting is very strange because it wasn't like, you know, you just saw like his living room. First of all, he's standing between the Quebec and Canadian flags in his office. And conveniently, his private parts are hidden by what appears to be a mobile phone in one hand. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds a little suspect to me. Because if you don't realize that you're on camera, your penis and balls will be fully exposed. That's what I think. It's interesting that he was, I mean, it, you, there is a photo. It doesn't look like he's intentionally covering them, but... He says, this was an unfortunate error. My video was accidentally turned on as I was changing into my work clothes after going for a jog. First of all, why don't you shower or something? But anyway, I sincerely oh, apologize. Oh, yeah, that's my first problem. He was just changing into his work clothes? Yeah, like all sweaty. Okay. Like if you're sweaty enough to take everything off, like he yeah. literally took everything off, <laughs> then shouldn't you shower first? Yes. Yeah, he says, I sincerely apologize to my colleagues in the House of Commons for this unintentional distraction. Obviously, it was an honest mistake, and it won't happen again. Well, I would hope it wouldn't happen again. I mean, can you imagine? Here's the thing. Wait, is this the guy that he's has, like, a good body? Yeah, and he has a good body. Okay. I'm just <laughs> saying, okay, 
with the cell phone strategically placed, maybe he was just showing off his physique. Just to would, but who wants to show? It's it was just to his work colleagues. Like I mean, it wasn't people. People people make wild decisions in life, and maybe he's like, you know what? I look pretty good, and I'm gonna let people see. Um. Yes. Well, I I don't know what to say, but I think other people were speechless as well and brought it. <laughs> how to long? His- I want to know, like, how long into it? Like, where people were like, "Whoa!" Was he slowly undressing, or was he just the zoom comes on and he's naked? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, when did when did someone chime in and say, "What's his name?" Um, David or something? No, William Amos. When did someone go, William Amos, um, I almost see your penis, <laughs> sir, but by the way, nice washboard abs. Well, the funny thing is that, um, I guess, because these are parliamentary procedures, even via Zoom, um, so Claude, I'm not going to attempt to say his last name, a legislator for the opposition party, raised the incident in a point of order after question period suggesting that parliamentary decorum requires male parliament members to wear a jacket and tie and a shirt, underwear, and trousers. (laughs) And then apparently not everyone saw this because the speaker then thanked Claude for her, it's a woman, for her observations and clarified that while he had not seen anything, he checked with technicians and confirmed that they saw something. He reminded well, how many people are in the parliamentary like is it hundreds of people like would you have to scroll because i mean when i we're on zooms with you know a lot of people i'm not scrolling through the pictures it's just who's ever on my home screen yeah i think it was something like that yeah you only got a few at a time so probably only you know out of say there are 100 people i bet like 20 actually saw yeah saw him unfortunately for him <laughs> because if, if you're gonna show it off you might as well show it off to all all of them oh goodness gracious well there you Ugh, go I, yet I, another I, unintended work naked oh. zoom incident the most upsetting part of it is that he didn't shower yeah the hygiene of william amos is questionable <laughs> but he is in good physical condition he's looking good though he's looking he good the, the run is working for him <laughs> uh. Uh, All right. And and this is breaking news, Anne. This just happened. Oh. Yeah. Breaking news. I don't know if we've ever done breaking news. Breaking news. Yes. The oldest living American, Hester Ford, has just died. I don't know. I don't know why I'm laughing. That's not how old. Well, the funny thing is, depending on who you ask, you know, women, they don't want to say their age. At this point, Hester, I don't think the difference between like 102 and 106 makes a huge difference. Well, she was either 115 or 116. First of all, 115? Yeah, 115. That is just not something I want to do. Yeah, she um, she died in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh she was born in North Carolina. She grew up picking cotton, got married at 14. When she died, she had over 120 great, great grandchildren. Oh my God. Well, yeah. I mean, over 115 years. I mean, that's a lot of children and grandchildren and yeah, great grandchildren. 
And the crazy thing is her husband died in 1963 when he was only 57. <laughs> wow. Wait, this yeah. is the guy she married when she was 14? Yeah, he died at 57. And wow. then she wound up living, look how many years she lived on her own. Another 50, 60 years. Oh, my God. Oh, Hester. Yeah. yeah. Um, but here's here was the secret to her longevity. She ate a half a banana for breakfast. Okay. She would take a trip outside, weather permitting, for fresh air. And she used to sit in her recliners looking at family albums, doing puzzles, and listening to gospel music. Well, that sounds like a nice afternoon. That does. On a North Carolina porch. Listening to some good tunes. Keeping her mind active with the puzzles. Yeah. And seeing her family i like it when the old people are like i just drank whiskey every day and smoked three packs of cigarettes oh i know well you do see that a lot with the irish they're like they don't they somehow they have some kind of crazy longevity despite their diets yeah they're like i eat a pound of bacon yeah i haven't been to the doctor since 1974 (laughs) (laughs) and here i am yeah so hester ford i don't know who now who now is the oldest person that person has clearly been waiting a long time though for the new title wow well r.i.p hester r.i.p hester ford yes this just happened today oh wow that is breaking news yeah i'm telling you i'm telling you you gotta you gotta get it here first i mean she's seen a seen a lot it's a century oh yeah yeah. plus yeah all right, Anne, that's all the news for this week. <laughs> the oldest lady dying and a naked guy on Zoom. I know. No, no dog stories. I actually do have a dog dog story if you want to talk about it. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> why not? We'll go, we'll go for one more. This one's a very cute story. Um, this is about a dog who kept sneaking into a Dollar General store um and stealing the same purple unicorn oh yeah i know this one i've seen the pictures yes this was also in north carolina maybe possibly near where hester was (laughs) every day this dog would go into a dollar general store head straight to the same uh stuffed purple unicorn and carry it out but then they kept taking it back from the dog and so they called the um, animal services to come because clearly it was a, a stray dog. They told the animal control officers uh, about this lab mix that kept darting in. And finally they locked the door so it couldn't come in anymore. And then, which was very nice, the officer who responded to the Dollar General store was so taken by the dog's devotion that she bought the $10 toy for the dog. And then the dog was happy to head off with his new beloved stuffed animal that he didn't have to keep stealing. I mean, that was, that was my first question. When I heard that he kept coming in and taking it and then they went and like took it back. Yeah. Why? Just let him have it. I don't understand why they were trying to wrestle it back. That's what I agree. I was like, why didn't they just, if it was a $10 doll, I mean, really why? And plus the dog has now slobbered on it. Right. You can't then sell that dog. I I mean, I guess you could, but you probably shouldn't be then selling that. Just let him have it, man. Yeah. Well, they did. They took the dog to a, um, an animal services shelter and, um, it is awaiting. It got many, many calls to be 
adopted and is going to go off to a new home. Well, that's a nice end to that story. Well, listen, persistence pays off. This dog wanted this doll and he got it. Um, but anyway, a happy ending for this dog who um, they have named after a character in uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, which is some what? kind of Disney movie. They've named him Sisu. No. Okay. <laughs> no. All right, Anne. And now to the moment we've been waiting for. Basically what happened was our friend Huff, apropos of nothing, sent us a text about the movie Cocktail. And then we were like, oh yeah, Cocktail. Maybe we should watch that one. Yeah. Funnily enough, though, I had watched Cocktail randomly over the summer. I don't know what, what even spur- made me think about it, but I hadn't seen it in you know years and years and years. And watched it again. And then I watched it again last night. Yeah. And I, I watched it last week and then I watched parts of it again last night. So I feel very well versed in the world of cocktail <laughs> at this point. I don't know if I should say congratulations or yeah. sorry. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's huh. end. So, so like I said, Huff is going to be back on Huff from the famous hundred day haul that we had a few weeks back. And also my brother Ted will be back because he is quite a fan of all of these Coglin's laws, which I'm sure we will talk about. (laughs) Well, you know what I'm going to go do? I'm going to go get myself a cocktail because if you're going to talk about cocktail, you should be drinking a cocktail. All right. That sounds good. I'm going to go get that and I'll be right back. Oh, yeah. Well, Chrissy, we're here with our cocktails to talk about the classic Tom Cruise movie, Cocktail. That's right, Anne, 1988 Cocktail. Um, And for this occasion, as we were just saying, it was sort of suggested inadvertently by our friend Huff, and here he is. And also, there he is. And also, my brother Ted has joined because he's just a fan of, (laughs) of this movie and has forewarned us that he has pages pages of notes pages of notes i'm also a huge fan of this podcast and a huge (laughs) fan of patrick finnegan aka huff Uh, (laughs) 1988 let's go back to 1988 wow yes yes my brother graduated left me and then i was king of the roost So I will just start from the outset by saying that this film won uh, worst film of the year at the Razzies that year. It did? That's it BS. Did. It won worst film. Um, but this, this movie is, you know, Tom Cruise is sort of brought under the wing of a veteran bartender and they have many ups and downs in their friendship. Let's just caps it that. But my, my first question, and of course, you know, Anne always says I pick the most ridiculous things to start with that I get distracted by. Yes. But the thing that I just couldn't get over right from the get-go, really, it's like in the first 15 minutes, is in 1988, was TGI Friday some kind of hot spot? On the I know, set? that is so funny. I, I, you know, when he first went in there, I didn't know he was applying for a TGI Friday. So then they show <laughs> the picture on the corner. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. I re- 
refused to believe that even in 1988, TGI Fridays was a hot spot in New York City. It's a big, it's a big, it's a big they problem. Pay, they, they, in paid, they, they paid to be in that movie is what I think. They, I think they must have, right? Because Also, once I lived in New York City, that TGI Fridays was still there, but it was like decrepit or maybe the, the remnants of it were still there on that corner. And I remember seeing it saying, wow, it really has been a long time since cocktail. So. <laughs> where was is that, that near, is that near um is that near penn station is it over there no well, come it? on i'm gonna qu- it was where no, where was Conklin it said it was the upper east side the saloon capital of the world the big <laughs> yeah that's the best part it's the saloon capital of the world yet everybody is partying it up at tgi fridays well that was my first problem with the movie was even i do think that tgi fridays in 1988 was far more popular than it is now but i always thought of it as a dining destination not where the young hip crowd is buying <laughs> for drinks on was a, anybody in there young no the young no crowd? one was young no it was like an after work like happy hour i think but in this movie, there this is like where everyone was gathering. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was completely mobbed, and uh, and f- well, how about this? I mean, not to. I don't want to step on something you might say later. But when they make their move to the much hipper place downtown, why is the cool owner of the cell block hanging out at that TV? Yeah, the cell block. That was my question. <laughs> the cell block. Yeah. He's like, I got the hottest place in town. I want you two working for me. And he's hanging out at the TGI Fridays. Yeah, I had that same question. <laughs> right. It was it was very, I just, I was very d- distracted by that from the get-go. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe that they're at a TGI Fridays. This is where this is all going down. Uh, Look, remember he's looking in like, hey, I'm looking for a job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is after his horrendously failed spate of trying to get a job on Wall Street. You know, do we know where he's coming from in the country to Uncle Pat, though? Well, he was getting out of the service. So was he in the military? He was getting out of service. He's on a army or navy or whatever. Coming to the big city. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot going on at the beginning, right? So he he and his buddies pull over a bus using a town car. Yeah, what was? Got a town car with with an alarm on it, and like somehow they convince the bus to pull over. (laughs) ridiculous all, all, all the guys are in their uniform it looks like they've had an all-nighter and they and they send them onto the bus and then in in true cruise fashion after being on the bus for two days he looks fresh as a daisy like he steps yeah, off that course. bus there's not a hair out of place he looks resplendent in his in his uh, 80s gear he does look good tom cruise is super hot tom i mean i aspired to be tom cruise in 1988 i mean i i had the top gun poster <laughs> and i wish i could find the picture but there's a picture of me with a selfie with him in the background and me with my hair parted just like him oh my. <laughs> and so let's talk about cruise in 88 now now he's done top gun he also in 1988 didn't he do rain man right was that yeah the same this is like peak cruise like yeah peak cruise so he decides to do this cheesy movie, which is so bizarre, right? Well, that is a good point, Huff. This that I did see that he was in a film that was nominated for Best Picture for an Oscar, Rain Man, and also the one that won the Razzie for the Worst Picture, all in one year. All in one year. And he was only 25 at the time. That's it? Yes, he was 25. Wow. I think he's always been an old soul, though, wouldn't we say? <laughs> he's from upstate he's from syracuse i thought he's from huff listen i, I want to say from syracuse. the outset not that our listeners know you so well but i actually feel that you're a pretty good amalgam of Coglin and brian flanagan oh you think so <laughs> you've got you've got brian flanagan's like 
zest and zeal and, and enthusiasm with Coglin's <laughs> knowledge of the of the seedy underworld. I, I, I think that, that you represent both compliment. of them. Yeah. Oh, cocktails and dreams. Yes. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the best. Well, You've got that. the best Thank of you. both of them, not their not their dirtbag sides. Yeah. <laughs> right. No. Coglin was a real dirtbag, you know. Oh, yeah. he's the he's worst. Great, but he's but he's great. All. I mean, I can't believe he slept with that girl. Yeah, you know? he's he's the worst, and his <laughs> advice is terrible, and he's super lame. Like that's the thing that's so funny is he comes across like he's supposed to be this this like wise, you know, cool. He's not. He's he's totally fucking lame, and yet we're supposed to believe he is, you know, someone worth listening to. He's not. And I get that as the middle schooler, you had the eyes. And listen, Coglin's character is not a good person. I, I won't, I'm not going to argue for that. But, and I understand that middle school into the present and, and others, that Cruz is pure, and I can even recognize P Cruz's pure magnetism in this movie. <laughs> but, but, but the movie suffers, the movie suffers every minute that Coglin is not on screen. When I Coglin disagree. is on screen, the movie goes to 11 as <laughs> yeah. They're all garbage people. That's the thing. They're, everybody's, Brian Flanagan's a jerk too. Hey, but Jordan, how about Jordan? In my opinion. Well, especially towards Elizabeth Shue. I mean, she falls for him and I liked her. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. Oh, I love her. She's a kid. She's kind of peaking at this point too. Don't you think yeah. so? Yeah. 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 She, apparently she beat out a lot of other people for this role. Especially in that waterfall scene, she's peeking. Am I right, Huff? Am I right? Oh, hey now, hey now. <laughs> that was I was I was like so sexy. I loved it. Oh yeah. god. I actually thought that Tom Cruise and Elizabeth Shue made a very nice couple, and I was I do too. Yeah, I was like, oh, I wonder if they ever dated. But then I read that he was already married to Mimi Rogers when he yeah. made this movie. He was old yeah. soul. He lives fast. He already was married, and apparently they were fighting throughout the entire filming of the of the movie. Yeah, because she would, because she was, she didn't achieve a hundredth thetan. That's right. She was, behind, <laughs> she was behind on her studies. Now that was pretty funny. Tess. And Tom Cruise originally wanted to be a priest, but she, Mimi Rogers, is the one that got him into Scientology. Are you serious? Oh, man. He wanted to be a Catholic priest. All right. So in this movie, okay, let's talk about this. The whole thing is that uh, that Doug Coglin, played by Brian Brown. <laughs> is the sage bartender, right? Who's dispensing all of this life advice to the young, moldable Brian Flanagan, played by Tom Cruise. Right. So let's let's just take a look for a second at some of, as he calls them, Coglin's laws, and see if we think that he is, is he wise or is he full of hot air? Okay. Coglin's law. Anything else is always something better. I don't even, that doesn't even make sense. Doesn't make any sense either. That is so cheesy. That's and something you say to, a, to drunk people at 3 a.m. And you go, that's so smart. And then you Well, <laughs> doesn't that, that's, it's just as his, that's, that's the Coglin's Law version of the grass is always greener. Right, exactly. Okay. Next, Coglin's Law, never show surprise, never lose your cool. I don't know. That uh, seems that's pretty good to me. I like that one. That one. <laughs> No. No? No. I don't, like, that's a law. Never show surprise and never, he, first of all. Even keel, even keel, just. But he's not even keel. That guy is, the, the amount of anxiety that is coming through that guy is, like, palpable to me. 
He reeks of desperation. I think that I, if I believe right, he says, doesn't Flanagan throw that back at it? Like we hear a lot of Coghlan's laws come out of the mouth of Flanagan, who's ingested them. And I think he, when, when Doug surprises him in, the, in Jamaica, he's like, what, no big greeting? And he's like, Coghlan's law, never show surprise, never lose your cool. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry, Ted, that was said by Tom. No, no, but, it's, yeah. but it, is a, it is one of Coghlan's laws, I mean. But yeah. by the way, was that a surprise? Like he didn't know he was going to run into him there, or do you think like he, he, he sought him out? Oh. It was a surprise to me. It was me. just a random surprise in the script, right? It wasn't like he... Oh, you don't think like Coglin, Coglin was like, honey, I know where we're going on our honeymoon and like figured out where, where uh, Flanagan oh, I was? I thought that. That's the que- that was my question because I wrote in my notes was, if you're a multimillionaire, as Kelly Lynch is supposed to be, would you be celebrating your honeymoon at a Sandals All-Inclusive? <laughs> right, I wouldn't. Right. Right. And I say that it's someone who did go to a Sandals All-Inclusive for my honeymoon. <laughs> I, you did? I got it for free. I didn't pay for it, but yes. Uh, but I, no, I thought that he purposely sought him out. Christy, that's a good call. Oh, you thought so? See, I, di- I didn't know. That's, I'm glad you said I that. I never I, thought I, that way, but now that you're saying it, I could see that being true. Like, he just wanted to rub his kind of kind of show off. Like I Because the last time we see them together is when he punches them in the face at the yeah. cell block. What's the name of that place? The cell block. Cell block. Cell block. Because yeah. he, Brian, uh, had a girlfriend, which was Gina Gershon, and yes. who was a Got successful it. photographer. Who, and by the way, Brian Brown makes a very misogynistic statement where he says, uh, "What's his name? Brian Brown, whatever." He goes, "Well, Cogman. she can't. You, you think Cog. you think that that brownstone is all hers? She must be married. Like, in other words, a woman can't. God forbid, a woman be able to afford." Oh God, you could never get away with that. In the brownstone. No you know, way. no. Let me say, I was jealous. A full brownstone. I'm I like, know. how much did she pay for that? Exactly. Listen, Manhattan, Manhattan in 1983 wasn't popping so much. You probably could have had that for 250 grand. Oh, that wow. would be amazing. I On don't the know. east side? I don't know. Well, that was a lot of money in 88, though. True. 250 was a lot. True. Well, no, it maybe 500. Yeah. 500 would be really a lot. That's when everyone was saying he's making six. Maybe, maybe, she, yeah. maybe she was Jordan's dad's side piece. Oh, interesting <laughs> twist. Interesting twist. All right, here's another one. Yes. Uh, this isn't a Coglin's law, but he said it. Wait, can he I can said, I can I can I get a recommendation? Can you do it in Coglin's accent as best as you can? <laughs> okay, I mean, it really loses it loses something when you don't. I can't, I don't think I can do it. All right, I'll just say I'll say it. You can re-say it. I can't. <laughs> please, please, I beg of you. I can't. It's like you see. See, I'm not even good. You see, there are two kinds of people in this world: the workers and the hustlers. The hustlers never work, and the workers never hustle. I love that. I Fantastic. Love that. Thank you. I love it. it sounded like Jimmy Cagney. I, know, I mean, I look. Know. I know so many shady people that hustle and do all that stuff. I mean, that's a that's a true statement, don't you think? Along the lines of "nice guys finish last" kind of thing, you know? That- yeah. The, the beauty to that Coglin's law is that is when that's when Coglin like goads Cruz into 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 cheating on Elizabeth Shue by, by basically he's he's like complimenting his work ethic and Cruz has to like take that to like you know, he's like you know you work too hard you should be hustling Cruz like I can hustle and that's how it's <laughs> up the train. yeah I love that Tom Cruise's defense for cheating on Elizabeth Shue, who we met, uh, you know, they have this whirlwind romance. Is he's like, look, a guy lays down a dare, 
you you gotta you gotta take it like that's just like she's supposed to go oh okay well then i i understand that is i wrote that down that is so tremendous he is meanwhile he's in full cruise like <laughs> yes. sincere intense like wait you don't get it as soon as i explain this to you you're gonna understand this whole thing he's dead she serious me, i couldn't do it so how could i not do that yeah. like you yeah. are an idiot like that's what she's she being unreasonable yeah it's ridiculous it's completely ridiculous i mean we see that same type of acting years later at jerry Maguire. i mean it's the same type of convincing cruise type of he's very convincing what? you know that's cruise at 11. that's cruise i think yeah by this point i think cruise had fully become cruise like risky i was saying last week risky business he wasn't quite there yet what year was risky business 84. 83. 83. Wow. Yeah. So he's got five years of that in Hollywood. Wow. Yeah. Okay. He's fully come into his cruiseness at this yeah. point. All right. Here's another one Coglin, Coglin's Law. How about that? <laughs> Good. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Never tell tales about a woman. She'll hear you no matter how far away she is. True. True. Oh, and goes for this one. That one I will go with. And and that's him. That's him set. That's him setting up his whole his whole bust up of him and Gina Gershon. Yeah, huge. I, now can I can we just talk about that for a second? I really didn't understand that. It was like I think his point in Coglin, and also in the beginning, when Tom Cruise sees his uncle, they both kind of preach to him that you're in this life alone. You can't trust anybody. Everybody always has an angle, and so. Coglin was like, this woman's using, how she's using him, you know, I guess just for sex. I'm not, you know, saying she doesn't have feelings for you. She'll drop you in a second. It's, you know, he has this very fatalistic point of view on life and friendship and relationships because he's a very damaged man. Yeah. And Tom Cruise eats that shit up like a- Loves it. Yeah. Totally. It's like, thinks it's so genius. When he gets the note and then he goes, runs back to her and rips I mean, the, check, the whole thing. The money. I mean, yeah, that's the thing that Tom Cruise is motivated by is about success and money. It has nothing to do with relationships. And that's just his, his persona through the whole movie. Yeah. But my question is why, why did Gina Gershon fall for Brian, for, for Doug Coglin? Like, what did he tell her that made her? Yeah, that was so bizarre. No, I, listen, I, I, I got to well, go ahead, Ann. Go ahead. But didn't he say, he said to him, like, or she says to, to Tom Cruise, like, don't, basically, don't talk about her sex life. So Tom Cruise must have let it loose to Brian Brown, and then he went off and told. Now, what would cause her to then sleep with Doug? I don't know. I, well, because Doug I is think, Doug. I Ugh. think that, I, first of all, so I think that they, I think they must have edited out a key thing, right? But you you see it in the retrospect. So to me, this yeah. is the setup. She sees them doing their flair bartending at the cell block, okay? And she wants to take the picture. Brian Brown goes to get in the picture. She's like, uh, I can't get you in the shot. So he is instantly, so Coglin is instantly like, F her. Like, you right. know, I, I got her number, right? So he, so he files that one away. She and Cruz get together, right? And then, then the next thing you see is she's hanging out with them at the apartment when they come up with the yes. idea for cocktails and dreams, right? Right. That scene opens up going down Coughlin, to the crib. They're watching a fight, and Coglin's like, "God damn it, I lost fifty bucks." 
So you see right off the bat that Coughlin's got a gambling problem, right? Then he and Cruz are on the playground and he's betting him 10 bucks a shot and he's making all this money. And then he says, and then he says, let me tell you, let me tell you something. You're going to, I bet she sleeps with someone else by the end of the week. Right. So, so Coughlin's putting the gambling out there and Cruz is like, I'll take that bet. And then, you know, Coughlin just, you know, cause he, cause he's the master of pushing buttons and reading people. You know, he must say, he goes up to her, says, oh, he tells me you're a great in the sack. And uh, let me have a try at that. She gets probably mad that he <laughs> said this, which that's Chrissy. That's the ridiculous part that she would cheat with. She, I mean, here's another, just, just a broad thing. We're all talking about like these cheating things. All these relationships have lasted essentially three days. Any, any, any <laughs> right. relationship in the movie is the maximum have lasted three days. And yet, yet there's all this betrayal going on. Right. But so she, you know, and, and that's why. So he, so he tells her, you know, Brian told me you're great in the sack. I, you know, I'd like to have a go. This is what I'm imagining, he said. And then, you know, then that happens. That, that, that's my whole explanation. That for Coglin, like- it's all about putting him in his place and winning a bet and, and yeah. also and also just ultimately proving to him that people are scum which is like his big mantra anyway right right, right. Well, what was that thing you, you you were going into like his his you know laws there and in between the lives remember he said when he was talking about investing he's like oh yeah i analyzed the market and i see what people don't see what was the line that he had about oh that? that's when they're down in jamaica on the boat yeah right uh, right it's just like i see but he's like he's like i think he's like stocks are about seeing the story between the he's like i see between the lines like something like that you know ponzi ponzi do you think that tom cruise paid him the 50 dollars oh after he punched him yeah and he's like take the 50 out of the tip jar like do you think he (laughs) i know i don't know you know he although he obviously when he ran out of the cell block he must have left that night's tips so he maybe he got made his 50 back i don't work here anymore he says i love that i don't (laughs) i mean but can I just say, in the scene where they're betting on the basketball shots, you know, I, I happen to love the genre of Tom Cruise overly intense for no good reason. And there's a few, <laughs> there's a few scenes of that here. One of them is he makes – so remember, he makes a few shots. Then he does a hook shot. Then he throws one over his <laughs> head that goes in. And he, and he gets the crazy Cruise look, and he goes, Whoa, that's 50 <laughs> bucks you owe me. <laughs> and Coggle's got the cigarette, you know. Coggle's like, you know, whatever. You know, we're doing the job with another bloke at the end of the week. That's what's so funny about it is Tom Cruise is trying so hard, and Brian Brown is smoking a cigarette. So it's, it's not <laughs> exactly. even equal. <laughs> All right. And the last one of Coglin's Law is in his suicide note, which is bury the dead, they stink up the joint. As for the rest of Coglin's laws, laws, ignore them. The guy was always full of shit. I agree with that one. I agree with that one completely. Wait, Chrissy, meanwhile, can I just add, I wrote down a few other Coglin quotes that don't, that, that aren't <laughs> quite Coglin's law, but it's just so good. Right, just gems Wait. of wisdom. Okay, so Cruz first walks into TGI Fridays and he says, can I talk to the manager? And Coglin goes, What's the matter? Find a hair in your quiche. <laughs> so there's number one. Number that's two. Good, that's a good impression. Number two. He's like, why are these waitresses so nasty to me? And Coglin says, wait until you've given them crabs. 
then you'll know anger. Right? Yeah. <laughs> There's number two. Then, then, uh, then he's talking to, to he's like, he's like, my boy, you have talent. He's like, and when you can see the color of their panties, you know you're a star. Talking about the women <laughs> sitting at the bar, right? Yeah. Then, then he's pouring them a shot after he's pouring them a shot after the after the work, and and finally it's like, I'll have a beer. Beer is for breakfast. Drink or be gone. Right? Yeah. There we Ugh. go. Bartenders are the aristocrats of the working class, and then. A star never pukes or passes out in public when they're stumbling toward the subway. Yeah, then he falls down a full flight of stairs and somehow just bounces right back up. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you're dry. You, you just go loose. Which, by the way, that's another classic. You could tell Cruz doesn't know how to be drunk. Right, his acting drunk is so bad in this movie. He's, yeah, he can't be out of control ever. You no, know, no, he's like stumbling around, like looks so ridiculous and unrealistic. Um, so two more after, after, after when they're having the fight in the cell block, how could you feel anything for an assembly line whore who does the boog <laughs> on the first date? I mean, and then, God. and then finally, that's the double standard of the eighties right there, baby. Yeah. The woman's the whore. Not, right. The woman's the, the whore. Went home with a different lady. Girl on a dare, no less. Then he right. said to Elizabeth Shue. Don't waste your loyalty on him. He'll dump you after Valentine's. <laughs> that one he I wasn't remember. wrong about that one. He wasn't wrong. Yeah, except he orchestrated that. Tiki bar. True. Now, what I noticed is Uncle Pat, it seems like anyone who owns Uncle a bar Pat, or Ron Dean. Ron Dean. Ron Dean. Which, by the way, he was um, Breakfast Club, uh, the wrestler's father. That's uh, right. Amelia. He was. Millie Westervez's dad. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad we're bringing up wrestling. I might get back to that. Anyway, sorry. But what I was going to say is Uncle Pat also dispenses knowledge from the bar. And let's just weigh in on who is more sage, Uncle Pat or Coglin. They're equal. They both give bad advice. He'll, well, he only had two quotes that I could find. Maybe Ted might have found more. But here's the two from Uncle Pat. One is, most things in life, good and bad, just kind of happen to you. That's one. That's just a statement. That's not even like advice. It's an observation about yeah. life, Anne. Okay. Can All I right. just say? I'm just it's a say. general. I, I'm with you on that. I don't know how many of you have worked in the service industry. I have. And I personally think that it's an important. If I you have, haven't. Have. Everyone should. Everyone I agree. Should. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think, I think there is. And I found, I found like this movie was trying to be complimentary to. But it wasn't. Because everybody i know that's ever been a bartender run a bar ran River, bar back hostess you know that, aren't right. huge pricks like all of these people are right well, they aren't right 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 with the exception i'll say of elizabeth shoe who was a waitress that's true she's the only yeah. one she's the yeah, only which one I, lo I loved it when he got the special and the people were trying to get to oh yeah that was funny that lady was the lady who was the um who had like the three lines she was giving it her all when she's like i'll like the specials and she's yeah. her like trying to do good acting. Yeah. My hat was to her. Here's the other line from Uncle Pat. This is when he's talking about how to succeed in business. <laughs> Outwork, outthink, out scheme, and outmaneuver. Make no friends, you trust nobody, and you make damn sure you're the smartest guy in the room whenever the subject of money comes up. Again, 
again, easy 80s mantra right there. Like, no, no, no. I, I, I don't agree with that. Do you, Ted? What do you think? Well, I was just going to say, I think that Uncle, I noticed Chrissy, I had never noticed before. What I tried to do on this viewing was watch, really watch the scenes that I would just gloss over in the past. Right, so, right. I'm with you. His opening scene in the bar with Uncle Pat, that's where all this- Pat's place, gets Pat's place on the corner. Yeah. And I noticed that Uncle Pat's advice kind of is counter to Coughlin. Right? Coughlin's all about the hustle and like cutting yeah. corners. And Uncle right. Pat's kind of miserly, but he's more about like, you know, just like, you know, be sharky, but don't be a, like a, you know, he's not really advocating being a cheater. I mean, I think that they're, you know, they're both, you know, and, if, and you know, Brian is like hearing Uncle Pat's like, wah, 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 you know, and then he winds up, you know, it's interesting. They, Uncle Pat gives all the advice. Then Flanagan goes to New York and he's going through all his job interviews and just getting the door shut in his face left and right. And then he winds up in Coughlin's bar. And then meanwhile, they're showing his, they're doing parallel action with him and college and Coglin, and he's hearing all this stuff from the professors that he doesn't want to like that's just boring and he's hearing the Coglin philosophy and he's getting seduced and so yeah. you know i would say ultimately uncle pat's advice is better than Coglin's, but you know neither that's not, not a, that's not very difficult to achieve <laughs> right well, right right it's it's the it's the i think it is the difference between like work hard which i think is uncle pat and uh Coglins, which is hustle and and bright shiny objects to distract people from what you're really pulling one over on them and then ultimately he offs himself which is really weird too Coglin. well he was a total fraud from the get-go and he knew it he knew it right well he made bad investments right wasn't that and ultimately what happened he had all this money from his wife and he made bad investments and lost all the he money said he went into commodities yes and he couldn't face telling her. So in the end, he just ducked out. But I thought that was pretty good that Cruz decided not to sleep with his wife. That says a lot about how much of a piece of shit his character is that we are applauding <laughs> him for not, for not sleeping with his best friend's wife. Right. right. That was <laughs> hilarious. You know what we haven't talked about, which is what the movie Cocktail is famous for, is the flipping Blair. of the bottles oh, yeah right Blair, that's why Blair, this movie is famous Blair that created a whole industry of bartenders that would do that right? which is the dumbest <laughs> idea on the planet who there's there were literally first of all in the cell block which made me laugh so hard there were what it was huge it looked like there was one bar yeah. with two bartenders and people I don't know about you, but when I go to a bar, I want to drink. And yeah, I don't why would you be up on the balconies do... looking down? Yeah, where are they getting at? their drinks? There's no band down there, right? I, I, mean... I don't want to see a juggling routine. Just give me my <laughs> tequila and soda. I don't need you to flip. Just hand it over. They were waiting for poems. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, those, oh, uh, oh that yuppie poem was hilarious. Uh, Who was that guy? I mean, how did he get in? Something about when you want to sleep with a pauper, right? Like, what? And he had, and he had like the whole thing with the poetry is the poetry ridiculous. <laughs> I was so cheesy. I told you that in the text the other night. Munster, cheddar, Swiss. It's oh all wound up into one. It's the cheesiest. It's just so bad. I mean, could this be the cheesiest movie that he ever did, Tom Cruise? Oh. The one I mean, where think he's about doing. It. I mean, it's not. Maybe. When he's in the movie where he and Nicole Kidman are in Ireland and he's doing this, his Irish accent in that movie is the same as his font, 
faux Irish <laughs> accent in this movie. Which he's oh, yeah. Right? I know, he's like a fine Irish son. <laughs> I'm like, get <laughs> out of here. Young Flanagan. Uh, well, yeah, so so that's a good point. He becomes the, like, barman poet spontaneously. <laughs> barman. <laughs> because everyone barman. is paying attention to the yuppie poet. Again, I agree with you that they 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 wind up getting a job at this apparently hip place that has like seven stories all of it looking down on the bar it was like something out of the seven circles of hell or something (laughs) and tom cruise is upset because they bring in this guy literally wearing a three-piece suit and a a briefcase to to recite a poem and somehow that quiets all these hundreds of people are dying to hear what this guy is gonna say doesn't make any sense it It is ridiculous the entire premise (laughs) that people at a bar don't want about want to get a drink they want instead watch some bullshit is ridiculous plus the poem i don't know what it was i actually do have the poem that that tom cruise then recited but so so in order to draw attention away from the yuppie poet this was again someone who looked like such a like martin mull or something that's what he looked like (laughs) i wish he looked like martin mull i like martin mull so tom cruise i would say you know at at one point this week ted was talking about what is when tom cruise was at his most tom cruise intensity this might have been it for me is that when he literally spontaneously jumps up on the bar (laughs) because nobody's ordering drinks to recite this poem that everyone is so entranced by. All right, so here is the poem. I am the last barman poet. That's what he calls himself. I see America drinking the fabulous cocktails I make. Americans getting stinky on something I stir or shake. The sex on the beach, the schnapps made from peach, the velvet hammer, the Alabama slammer. I make things with juice and froth, the pink squirrel, the three-toed sloth. I make drinks so sweet and snazzy, the iced tea, the kamikaze, the orgasm, the death spasm, the Singapore sling, the ding-a-ling. America, you've just been devoted to every flavor I've got. But if you want to get loaded, why don't you just order a shot? Bar is open. I agree with that part. Now, Chrissy, when he says kamikaze, that is another one of the crazy, (laughs) intense moments of Tom Cruise. Um, he says, I make drinks so nice and snazzy that the something, the kamikaze, and he's like looking at the camera like a crazy look on his face. <laughs> and how about when he goes, when Gina Gershon's like, so I'd like an orgasm. And then he's like, then he just starts doing like a whole dance routine. He's like, how about a blue, a blue martini or whatever. So starts doing <laughs> dancing and they start clapping and he got, I'm like, it's so embarrassing. How much oh, do you want? Yeah. Multiples. She multiple. Right, she's like, How multiples. Many? Multiple. I found all of his dancing, even when he started dancing at TGI Fridays, I found all of that very hard to watch. Oh, it was, I was literally hiding behind a pillow when they're singing like Addicted to Love yes. and, and he's doing, it's there, it's upsetting. Brian Brown's dancing is horrible too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, but that remind that was my favorite line of the whole movie is in that scene where they're at that, jamaican club and kelly lynch goes wow i've never seen a club with such intense dance vibes <laughs> <laughs> i was like that's the best line i've ever heard 
Brilliant. So good. And stance vibes. Kelly Lynch's entire role is essentially just to show herself off in a bikini. I can't figure yeah, out she's any got other the reason. Going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, she's wearing like a string. Any 16-year-old loved those scenes. I mean, come she's on. she's wearing like bikini floss, you know, dental floss bikini. And Elizabeth right. Shue is in this sensible black one piece, you know, yes. that she wears the entire time. She didn't bring a second swimsuit. It was just that. With pants on. She's often wearing pants. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is like the most uh, basic black tank. Yep. Which just, you know, shows her charms, even through the, the basic black tank. Yeah. So I think the whole thing is that, so when when Tom Cruise, Brian Flanagan joins Douglas Coughlin at TGI Fridays, they <laughs> develop this sort of, uh, as we were talking about, flair bartending that enchants the masses. <laughs> Which leads to their, you know, promotion to the big league at this downtown cell block club. But I, I think in the end, the whole thing was that they were, Tom Cruise had proposed to Doug that they go down to Jamaica for three consecutive winter seasons to make enough money to open up their own bar called Cocktail, that they want to call Cocktail and Dreams, Cocktails and Dreams. And uh, Doug nixes that idea, probably just because he didn't have it. Right. But I think that the, the sort of message is that you see Brian Flanagan down in Jamaica. He doesn't seem like he's raking in the money like he thought he was. So no. I think the thing was that they needed to be together. The magic happened when they were together, not apart. I guess. I, but then also Coglin's whole thing is kind of like land rich woman i mean that that was his game trust a foreign woman yeah his game plan is fake it till you make it and then by making it it's you know hitch hitch your wagon to a rich lady right well in the end tom cruise does wind up back at uncle pat's bar and he is jumping up on the bar still to do his poetry his last barman poet right oh right oh so yeah so so what we but then they talk about like if it's a boy it's great but if it's a girl no way like what? the whole thing is ridiculous i mean and let's be honest it's so sexy they probably divorced after six months after the babies were born let's be honest there's no way writing a ten thousand dollar check you know and i was like that's it ten thousand i mean that seems so rich that's all your daughter's worth is ten grand yeah i would like to believe that they lasted how I mean, like how many times does somebody terrible down to some resort and meet the bartender or somebody at the resort and then they think oh this is gonna work out it never does i mean in reality no way but right? he's not a good person not at all you know i mean the only reason it flies is because it's tom Cruise and him. he's charming but he yes. yeah at, at his heart he's a very selfish um prick i mean he, i don't know why i've used the term prick several times which i've never do ever <laughs> what did you guys think of bentley was in there paul benedict oh know? yeah i did i thought yeah Dude, he was horrible he what a what a, what a horrible <laughs> was, teacher he yelled at that poor old woman <laughs> i mean he busts out cruises he busts out brian flanagan's paper and he starts mocking it and then <laughs> and then and then flanagan throws back a little insult to him and he says, how would you like to do this with an F and throws the paper <laughs> in the air? Yeah. Well, oh. Brian Flanagan gave him like the biggest insult to teachers, which is, you know, 
you can't hack it so you're teaching you right know? right that's yeah that is that's rough yeah, yeah, so yeah. yes i think the overriding message of the movie is that you learn more on the street than you do in the classroom which i, I would agree, agree with that yes. i agree but also as far as their marriage lasting you know uncle pat <laughs> early on slides into he says how you doing uncle yes. pat he goes i'm servicing all the local widows okay so that tells me that Uncle Pat's a dog, that Brian's got that dog in his blood. As soon as that baby's born, <laughs> he's just hanging out at the bar by himself. And, and uh, you know, Jordan's back home with the twins. He's going to be like escaping to the bar and he's going to be making his Tom Cruise smile at every... Uh, yeah. Although who knows what's going to be out there. In, at I bar. guarantee he was cheating before she even had the kids. He was on the tag and release program. <laughs> Well, and here's the other thing. I actually looked up because I had some kind of vague memory that Tom Cruise was a high school wrestler, which he was. And when he got injured, that's how he got into acting. Because- Which is a true story. Yeah, yeah. He was a wrestler and he got injured. But I kept noticing in this film, his interactions with women dealt with a lot of wrestling. It was like- I noticed he that He and now. Gina Gershon, I don't, that they're flipping around in that bed. I'm like, what? They fall off the bed. I'm like, what is happening? It's exhausting. Then he and Elizabeth Shue, they're constantly doing these takedowns. I'm like, what was he like? Let me show you my wrestling moves. We'll incorporate it into this movie. I know she's doing like karate could sweep the leg on him. And I'm like, no one's interested in that. You know, that was that, that, that that's the falling in love montage. They go horseback riding. <laughs> they, go, they go on a bus ride into like the true like off the resort into the market they're going to like where you get the trinkets which is like the worst part of any you know and then i wrote down wrestling so very good waterfalls what about the water let's talk about the butler do you think that there are butlers in manhattan yeah there are like, For really like, rich people sure yeah yeah what about the part where she where he so tom cruise goes back to the um apartment building and the guy who's the doorman yes. literally is like assaulting elizabeth shoe <laughs> at one point i was like i don't punches think. him right but then he's like wrestling her and trying to hold her back i was like you were going above and beyond your duty sir i told you not to let him up here if ever he said something yeah like i mean that was dramatic i've got a take on that so okay i think this is the precursor to cruz's action career Cruz is like, this is too boring. We need some action in this movie. So, right, so, so two things happen. First, he goes to the art showing with, with as the boy. Talks, yes, right? yes. The artist. That oh, God, that so, part, yeah. Boy, two times in the movie. I, did, I never noticed this before. Two times, he punches someone who flies into a sculpture and knocks it over. That was awesome. so so. Few sculptures were destroyed in the making of cocktail. Yeah. Now, how many artists, how many like sculptors who are renowned enough to get this big gallery showing? First of all, are going to be this pugnacious? That yeah. guy, <laughs> that guy, like right off the bat, he's like, he's like, oh, you haven't got this one tamed yet, right? He says, heel, heel, heel. <laughs> He punches him into the sculpture, and then he's looking at his beloved sculpture, like, oh my god. And then to what Anne's talking about, the doorman has to jump into this physical confrontation. The father and the, or the doorman and the butler, the doorman and the butler, the prim, the prim and proper, like stuffy butler. That was ridiculous in the first of all. He's a butler, right? A stereotypical butler, like, yes, sir. Then he's fighting, and then Cruz punches the doorman into another sculpture in the Mooney, in the Mooney penthouse. 
So like Cruz must have been like, we need some action. Like we need to spice up this third act. Like and there all of a sudden there's all these action scenes. I agree. I was watching and thinking, what doorman is gonna go to these lengths? Like what? No one is gonna do that. He's so far up the guy's ass. He must get good tips or something. He yeah. must be really relying on those tips. Right. And meanwhile, break, break, breaking every bit of doorman code. How about this? <laughs> Tell me where the Moonies live. Yeah, the penthouse. <laughs> right. Press the button, take you straight up. And what doorman's even leaving the lobby? Like he goes up to the penthouse <laughs> to get involved in this kerfuffle? It just seems insane. <laughs> well, as Mr. Mooney said, I told you to keep this guy out of here. That's right. right. He's going all lengths. I mean, but here's the thing, though. All of this aside, I still really like the movie. Well, right. That's that's the question. Definitely. Where Definitely. does this rate? Is it as we have a new scale, a Muldoon or a Muldon't? Full Muldoon. Well, right. Anne is full Muldoon. Huff, what are you going with? Uh, oh, I think it's a Muldoon for sure. I, you I do. Like it. It's a classic. It's classic. No, wait, let's just ask the, all right, and Ted, what do you say? Oh, Muldoon. <laughs> I mean, come on, I, yeah. I'm ready to watch it. I mean, I, this is a close, I, I maybe don't need to watch it for a while, but if it comes on TV, um, you know. I'm, I'm definitely gonna, getting hooked. Yeah, yeah, right then. For sure. Now, what do you, Chrissy, what did you say? I'm in the middle. I Now that I've watched Why it one and a half times. I'm kind of like, what, the, again, as we have said, many of the characters are very unlikable. Other True. than Elizabeth Shue, who do you like? True. But Huff, let me say this. You're the one who started this whole cocktail thing. What was it that, were, had you just seen it? Were you were you thinking about it that you texted this group to talk about cocktail? Well, I think I was listening to, um, um, when you guys were going over Porky's in the, in the episode <laughs> a couple of weeks ago or whatever that episode was, and then I was watching Cocktail, like, you know what? I think Cocktail would be a good one. And I had yeah. seen it. And I mean, I, as a, you know, I grew up, you know, aspiring to be Tom Cruise. You know, I had the Ray-Bans. Yeah. I had to part my hair that way. I mean, he was kind of a hero, you know. I will so. say, watching it when I was young, I mean, and watching it as an adult, you d you know, when I was young, I just thought he was the, he was the cutest. And yeah, now right. as an adult woman, I'm like, oh, brother, I would have run the other way. He's so cheesy. Right, right, right. I mean, the only way he gets away with anything is because he looks cute. All right. And here's the other thing. The signature drink of Douglas Coughlin is the red eye. He mentions it many times, which is a, according to the internet, if you want to believe it, it is a shot of vodka, tomato juice, a full beer, and a raw egg. Now, would you try such a drink? Uh, that would be a no all day long for me. No, I've, I've long. had one. I've definitely had one. Did he say that when he, that's what he asked him for when they were, when he finds him in the Caribbean, right? Three years later. Hey, what is it? Hey, bartender, do you know how to make a red eye? Is that <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be a hangover cure. Oh, okay. it's like a hair of the dog, you know, but I've had, I mean, I've had the beer with tomato juice. I didn't, I didn't put a raw egg. The raw it. egg, though? I Not with the raw know. egg, but I've done the tomato juice beer for sure. I think I would literally drink that and throw up. I think so, too. I also but, think I would drink what Anna's drinking right now and throw up. It's delicious. Right. What is it? It's, it's what is I it did take one part tequila, one part kombucha. 
kombucha. I'm used to this. That's a liqueur? Synergy. No, it's like a health food drink. Oh, oh, oh. So you're mixing it with that. Got it. Yeah. It's fermented. I don't know what's in it. It tastes like um, vinegar that's gone bad, but I like it. Okay. Yeah. It cuts the tequila. <laughs> I don't know if it does that, but I just, I like it. It has kombucha, which is, it's like a yeast culture. Black tea, green tea, kiwi juice, raspberry juice, lemon juice, fresh pressed ginger, and 100% pure love, it says. Oh, I like that. There you okay. go. Yeah. I'm like the guy at TGI Fridays who's just screaming for a white wine. That's me. I'm Remember just that? screaming white wine. That's a pet peeve of mine when they yell white wine because it's like, what, what white wine? I wish you would have said Chardonnay. Yeah. Chardonnay. Yeah. Unless you're at a wedding where they're like white or red. There's only like, and then you're like, all right, white. But if you're at a bar, you're not screaming white wine. The guy's no. literally like just impassioned yeah. by white wine. <laughs> Meanwhile, I, I have to say that's one thing I wrote down is that in the opening, when he's first bartending at TGI Fridays, I mean, even though the bar was crowded, do we think that many different drinks are being ordered at a New York bar? I mean, really, I mean, there's probably five drinks that anybody gets and that's it, right? Not every, like not page 600 of the Mr. Boston bartender guide. Well, <laughs> it's not, it's not a cocktail bar. Yeah. It seems like it would be more of a basic. Right. Beer. A lot of know, beer, there's always, a lot of wine. Every, every bartender I've ever known, they always have like the drinks that they hate to make. Like I remember my best friend's dad, like he always said that the, um, that the blender was broken. Because he hated making <laughs> that's a good one. The daiquiris. Yeah, he hated making like the blended drinks. Chrissy, I was wondering if I could before before we wrap up, if I could share just a couple other observations. All right. You, you, you do have four pages. I mean, I feel like we have I, I to. Know, I mean, there's yeah. a few first of all, how about the you know, James Eckhouse, the dad from 90210, hanging out at the yes. bar, hanging out at the bar in Jamaica. He's one like yes. one of the bar flies there. That was who that guy. That, that was I a good sighting. He's kind of balding. That guy. L love that. He that's he had to be balding starting at the age of twenty one. I recognize that guy. Uh, yeah. The crew. First of all, Cruz. If you notice, when they hit Jamaica, and he's no longer with Coglin. Suddenly, he's got a million Coglin esque lines at his disposal, and yeah. one that I have used for many years is the classic champagne perfume going in, sewage coming out. Oh yes, that is a good one. That's that is a good lines. one. How about how about Cruz with absolutely no New York accent, despite having grown up in Queens? Like that's not. <laughs> yeah, and that part is funny too, where he's like, he's acting like it was such a journey. He's like, you know, to get here from Queens, it's like that's a subway. Yeah, he doesn't involve, you know, he's acting like he came in from Kansas or something. But they yeah. do give us the obligatory shot of him, like through the chain link fence, looking at the impenetrable <laughs> fortress yes. of Manhattan, across the garbage strewn lot, and the river. Literally <laughs> staring at what I'm like, you're literally 20 minutes away. How Just jump on the train. How will I get there? How can I own that place? Um, <laughs> here's something I never noticed before. So they they have their um, their uh, love session by the waterfall, which by the love way, session. by the way, that goes on. <laughs> First of all, they both take their bathing suits off and just randomly throw them. Like, and this is, right. who knows where those are going, right? They start in the daylight. They are still going strong at night by a fire. So, like, this is yeah. still happening. But then they start yeah. talking about their potential life. And she's talking about kids. Meanwhile, little do we know, she's just gotten pregnant. Yes. Just gotten pregnant yeah. with said child. So that was- Twins. Twi right, right. With both, with both ch children. That was interesting. Okay. 
the outfit the rich lady that he cheats on her with is wearing did you notice that when she's at the bar when she stands up she literally has it's like a leotard with sheer legs and like a and like a a, uh like a cape (laughs) unbelievable that's very 80s I thought she was very Sigourney Weaver-esque. I think that's what they were going for. Definitely, like, Working Girl came out around the same time. The same thing. Like oh, the, Working the, Girl's a great movie, too. I would love Working Girl. But, yeah, she's, like, that's another thing that's ridiculous, too, in, in that scene. Because she, the agreement is, the is look, you're hot. I want a guy. No complications. I'm a, I'm a businesswoman. Come back with me. And then he's, like, giving her shit. Like, he's supposed to be her equal and all. It's, like, give me a fucking break well she did go she did though come back to him he just thought it was a one-night stand but she was the one who lured him back right but i'm saying he's like what about that business meeting you were supposed to set up for me she's like slow your old man i'm gonna go ahead and take care of my business and you just have my champagne chilling when i get home he's a boy toy exactly you know and again men do it all the time all the time all the time he was a kept man but he yeah and he's resentful of it resentful carrot juice when she lures him right. back, she goes to the room, takes his underwear in her mouth, and starts barking like a dog. <laughs> yeah. That was well, pretty great. How about this? How about the old the old trope of the guy wake the whoever wakes up in bed the next day and he's just so regretful and somehow slips out of the room without the other person waking up, despite the fact that it's bright daylight in there. The walk of shame. Yeah, but like we're supposed to, we're supposed to believe that like the other person doesn't wake up. Like, what? What's going on? You, know, he just slips out of there. Yep. Then we meet. Where's Elizabeth Shue's friend been all week? So she goes oh, down yeah. with then her friend, and now she's with the Flanagan all week. Like, what happened to her? Recuperating, recuperating from her alcohol poisoning. From the soup what coming did you out. Say to her, she's on a flight back home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? Is, that's the other cliche. What? There's a few great cliche lines. What did you do to her? There's one good one. Yeah. And then, was, what did you do to her? Coglin's wife saying, You won't cheat with me? You're scared. You're just scared. <laughs> You're just what, what scared. scared. What is he scared of? Oh, God. <laughs> You're just like, that's just like, they're like, God, we need, we need pages for tomorrow. Just write anything. Yeah. <laughs> like we have to, this is shooting in an hour. Okay. <laughs> You're just scared. We're just scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is good. All right, let's, let's, let's shoot this, you know? um and then how about <laughs> when when they go to the art show she gets out of the limo in her fur he keeps the first, grabbing the wine the first guy she goes up to she goes art the guy's name is art like they're going to an art <laughs> oh, show and cool. the guy's name is art i was like come art on like this art is show. so this is so weak <laughs> grab my coat lovey when Brian's in the apartment trying to beg her for, so, so how about this? He goes to, he makes a several visits to the deli. She meets him outside and he's on his knees, right? He's pretending to be blind or whatever. And, uh, and she first, so she's already charmed that he's there. Like, boy, she got over that quite quickly. Then she lets him go all the way back to the, so here's another movie thing that drives me crazy. They go all the way back to the apartment. Who knows how long that walk was? Then they get in the apartment and she's like, why'd you dump me? What have they been talking about for the 15 minutes leading up? Like, <laughs> so where are you living now? Oh, these, you look great. Said, What's going on? You know, are these the, are these our waterfalls? Remember that? <laughs> yes. Yes. Are these our waterfalls? Then he yells at her. I deserve a second chance. Based it's like, on, no, based you on don't, what? Man. Yeah. You don't, you deserve nothing. 
Yeah. Nothing. Oh my God. But you're invited into my apartment so I can kick you out. Right. He's like, you just let me in here so you could kick me out. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. She's like, yeah, get out of here. She's like, yeah. Um, does Coughlin, do we think he breaks the bottle and then cuts himself with it? That's what I, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Like, did he cut himself with the bottle? Yeah, I think it was so. Broken because there was no gun. It was definitely yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Then what I don't know is why Tom Cruise put his hands in the blood. We can see what's happened. It's like, and then he does the oh. I guess it was just for that moment of the blood on the fingers. He just runs down to the slip and jumps on the yacht. There's no security. It's wide oh, open. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's a huge yacht just like <laughs> chilling on the. It could have been murder for all we know. Like Pier 17 in Manhattan, you know. Yeah, he barely gets questioned. He's not even brought in for questioning. But maybe, I, I thought, maybe he thought the blood was a spilled red eye. <laughs> he had, he, had, to, he had to make sure it was They were drinking that $500 bottle of uh, cognac, right? And That's then how about, how about the fact that, the like, so they get married. Then he's got the new, the new bar is not only opened, but it's jam packed, okay? Yes. And Jordan is still pregnant. Yeah. So this means we are fewer than nine months from when they had sex in Jamaica. <laughs> yeah, right. Yet, right. Yet, yet, yet the bar, like it's all happened. It's all happened before this kid's even been born. I mean. Yeah. Where did he get the the capital to start that? Start that that bar. Well, they did say Uncle Pat. Uncle Pat. Yeah. Uncle Pat Dreams partner, and cocktails, which, which is why when he says oh, drinks on the house, Uncle Pat almost loses his mind. But what's yeah. funny is he kept saying how he had this revolutionary idea of how he's gonna like franchise this bar, and basically it looked like Uncle Pat's bar, except with the sign of the window that said cocktails and dreams. That's I don't it. understand That's what it. was the innovative bar business part. I actually thought it was Uncle Pat's bar. This is the first time I thought he just renamed the bar. No, it looked it looked much more. It looked like it. I mean, to me, it looked like it was in Manhattan. All right. Well, I think we have to thank Huff for this uh, for the suggestion, though it has elicited was, a lot of emotions. Yes, this was fun. This is great. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yes, Huff. Thank you for making this happen. When when our when our text exchange of Coglin's Law began, this was inevitable. <laughs> I know it was. It was inevitable. Exactly. That could be a Coglin's law unto itself. That's true. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna end, I'm gonna end my part with some Coglin advice. Which is, is the luck is gone, the brain is shot, but the liquor we still got. <laughs> there you go. A worthwhile walk down memory lane. Oh, this was so much fun. Indeed. Oh my gosh, I want to do it again. I think it's outrageous. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to be driving down the highway listening to this show right now. I love this show. There you go. All right. Thanks so much, you guys. And of course, we'll remind everyone to follow us on Instagram and on Twitter and to subscribe and to, as Anne always says, begs people, please leave us a review. Yeah, I, I you know I mean I would I just want to say thank you for having me on the show uh, on one twenty one twenty one one two one two one, and I still haven't come out with another show. But just remember, I'm going to plug you. Uh, I've got a fun little thing with the Lockjaw Shocker. It's about a forty five minute segment, forty five second segment that will plug this awesome, awesome Generation X um, podcast. Yes, that's right. And uh, yes, follow Huff on uh, Hundred Day Hall on YouTube, his YouTube channel. That's right. It's been a while, so we got to come up with it, you know. I love it. Right. 
All right, Huff, Huff and Ted, thank you. All right, my boy, great to see you guys. Thank you guys. Thanks, thank you guys. guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.